Welcome back to TYT. As I mentioned, there's a big announcement. Uh, here to make that announcement in the capacity as a guest is Cenk Uger. And I have filed, I will be running for president of the United States of America. So I am running as a proxy, I'm running to win, but I'm also running to, as a proxy for any other candidate. We have got to get Biden out of the race. Thank you for winning in 2020. But if he loses this time around, it's not just his problem, it's all of our problems. I actually think democracy is on the line. And so if it takes me running, then that's what I'm gonna do. And we're all gonna do it together. We run super hard. I believe anything is possible. Do I believe we can win? Hell yes, I do. Here's what independents and, and even conservatives know they're gonna get with me, honesty and authenticity. So I'm not gonna pull my punches when I don't agree with you. I'm gonna throw the punch. So Cenk, the, the big issue, the big obstacle kind of standing in your way is the fact that you were born in Turkey. You immigrated to the United States at eight years old. You are a naturalized citizen, but my understanding is that only US born citizens can run for president. You disagree with that, why? Yeah, the case law is completely on my side. And the Supreme Court has already ruled is Schneider v. Rusk. And so this is from a law review article on University of Illinois. And it shows you definitively that Schneider v. Rusk has already decided this issue. So they had an issue that came up where naturalized citizens were being treated different than natural born citizens. So the Supreme Court ruled it is unconstitutional to discriminate against naturalized citizens. This issue is actually already settled, just no one knows it. Soli, and with me is someone I've been following religiously since 2009. We have presidential candidate Jang Uger. Welcome. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate it, brother. You you have worn so many hats. You've been a very vocal voice, and your fearlessness is something that everybody should be watching. If you were the only guy on a TED Talk, I think everyone would just be tuning in religiously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you, but you know the the fearlessness. Um, has two sides to it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I try uh, for change in every way that I can, because the status quo is not serving uh, the average American at all. And we all know that. And and every system gets corrupted, right? The people at the top wind up designing uh. rules that benefit themselves and not the average person. And eventually there needs to be a rebellion and a revolution against it. Now, uh, obviously we're doing one that's political, rhetorical, ideological and fighting back. And in the midst of, of, of doing that here in America, the number one problem, of course, that you run into is the age-old problem of corruption mm -hmm. and uh, the corporate PAC money that buys off the politicians, et cetera. But what you don't see until you run for president is that 
that trickles down through every part of the process because yep. the people up top who got the millions of dollars in some cases hundreds of millions in some cases the presidential level billions of dollars from drug companies oil companies banks real estate companies etc they then pick the people underneath them who then pick the people underneath them and then they will do things like in my case when i'm running here in the primaries they will the dnc will call the states and say now, if you're going to be a good team player, you keep Jank off the ballot. So that gets the the downside of being fearless. This is that, well, the reason why it's, you know, applauded in the few places that it's applauded, and I appreciate you for it, is that uh, because there's consequences, right? There's so when you do things that don't fit the the system and the regular old status quo corruption, well, then they, you know, smear you, they attack you, they keep you off of ballots, uh, and they try to ruin your uh, reputation uh, because these days, the in the old days, they used to do assassinations. Now they do character assassinations. Yeah. So anytime anybody sticks up for anybody, they go, oh, yeah, well, that's it. And we're going to come for you and try to ruin your character or how people perceive you uh, because it's all a giant media war. Get your defamation suits ready because to counter because it it gets too personal and it almost kind of reminds one of like a Jimmy Hoffa kind of thing where it's just like okay you're supposed to be a union rep but now you guys are kind of becoming the mob and pressuring us to work overtime you know for little pay it, it it's just very derogatory underwhelming and just frightening in a way it's like this is what happens each time I mean. Without getting political, this is kind of what you could talk about the Palestine and Israel conflict right now. I'm seeing a lot of people getting assassinated, and they're not, they don't realize this is kind of in a gray area right now. Yeah. Yeah, so power solidifies at the top, right? And yeah. so, uh, and and money drives a lot of it. Um, and in the case of Israel, uh, they've got the biggest military and financial might in the history of the world, the United States of America, behind them. So they feel empowered. Uh, and unfortunately, it's just in the nature of man. It is, it's not based on any uh, racial or religious background or even country. It's just that when you have unlimited power, it almost always gets abused. And unfortunately, yeah. these days... It's fortunate that Israel has enough power to protect itself. It's unfortunate that they now seem to have unlimited power and, and that that doesn't help them because it then drives them like any other human being to abuse it. Yeah. And then and now, unfortunately, that's driving even more hatred. So not just against, you know, in the conflict itself between Israel and Gaza, Palestinians and, and Israelis, but uh, as people see 17,000 people being, you know, massacred right in front of our eyes you know, picking out body parts of children from the rubble, it's driving more hatreds towards um, uh, towards Israel, and and I'm really really afraid towards uh, Jews and Jewish Americans, and I don't want that. I think that's terrible uh, uh, for America, for Israel, for everyone involved. That's why it's so important to make sure that power is checked and that there be checks right. and balances. Otherwise, it not only hurts others but it hurts yourself as well. Bingo. Well, one thing I also like about you running is you have called out previous elections. You know, you, you've done the math. You've looked at this and that, the popularity and everything. You, you've been on both sides of the political equator. And uh, why do you think so many people just, even when they're 
supposedly got an open mind, they are afraid to just like critique their own party as if I'm a traitor. And it's like, well, you got to hold them accountable if they're doing something wrong. Yeah. So unfortunately, uh, our media diet these days uh, determines so much of what people believe. Mm -hmm. So if you watch right-wing media, you never even heard definitive proof that that Donald Trump did not win the 2020 election. No. <laughs> Their anchors never came out and said, now listen, guys, he lost 60 court cases in a row. It, he had all of the time and opportunity to present a case, and he never presented one shred of evidence. This is entirely made up. He completely lost the election. They never said that, ever, ever, ever. In fact, they said the opposite, and then they had to pay $800 million in settlements, so et cetera. See. Yeah. yeah, as you see uh, what happened with Fox News, and now it's in other places, too. But guys, so put yourself in the shoes of the right wing, and imagine that all you ever heard from people you trusted, media sources you trusted, was that the election had been stolen. Let's say that it was stolen from Joe Biden. How mad would you be? You'd be furious, right? Yeah. So the problem there is they're the right-wing media that they're consuming. But unfortunately for Democrats, we have a similar problem. Uh, the mainstream media, MSNBCs, et cetera, of the world that Democratic voters consume tell everybody polls don't matter, numbers don't matter, uh, science is BS, yeah. don't listen to scientific polls. They're off by 20 points. Come on, come on. Come on. And all of them are off. They're all wrong. If if something makes you feel bad, you should ignore it. And right. they never clarify any of uh, like this incredible, simple subtlety, which unfortunately, it's so heartbreaking to see is missed on so many Democratic voters. The difference yeah. between a primary and a general election. OK, it's in a primary, you pick the best candidate. You don't split the party. Because you're all arguing for the party's positions and who is the best representative of the party. In a general election, you can split a vote. This is super simple. But the way that the media talks about it, I, when I talk to, honestly, most of the time older voters that consume that portion of media, it's not because they're older. It's just it's the media that they consume. The young folks don't turn on TV. It's so they don't believe now. any of this. They don't. They think that... The way that older Democratic voters think is nuts. They don't understand it at all. I, I'll piggyback on that. When you announced, and I was sharing your news, I, I instantly saw people going, oh, a third party is not a good idea. I'm like, he's running on the Democratic ticket. You can't compare this to Ralph Nader or even Bernie or anyone else. And it's like you say, people are afraid to go outside the limelight, outside the zone. And it's just like, yeah. well then how do you expect? Because the current system does not work. So you got to break the rules legally. you got to find another way to get people out to the polls. Yeah, so the, the way, look, um, the media may has and the Democratic Party has made it seem like primaries are hurtful, but that's not remotely true. No, the Republicans had a vicious primary in 2016 and they won. The Democrats had 27 people in their primary in, in 2020 and they won. They're just completely counterfactual points, and they get Democratic voters to go, oh, no, contested primaries are bad. Right. Uh, the DNC should pick our uh, leaders, and we should have no voice in it. If we have a voice in it, that splits the party. No, that's called democracy, brothers and sisters. It's like they're surrendering halfway. It's like, oh, we got to sound a little bit fascist. It's like, uh, 
once fascist, you become completely fascist. So why would yeah, you? Yeah, no, I, look, I wouldn't go in the direction of the word fascist, but in the case of the Democratic Party, unfortunately, a lot of the voters, because of mainstream media, have been trained to believe in authorita- authoritarian ideas. If the leader says something, no one should question it. So let's break that down and, and go to the core of your for, uh, your original question here, which is, so why am I in the race and what are these numbers that you mentioned that are so devastating? Well, Joe Biden in the last poll polled at 37% favorable, 61% unfavorable. Good night, Irene. The election's already over. So look, it, for those of you who are novices, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, you're not your career is not in politics, right? Right. Let me give you the context on that. I have never and no one has ever seen an incumbent that polled under 40 percent win an election ever, ever. And it doesn't matter if it was a year before, two years before, four years before. It doesn't matter. No incumbent under 40 has ever, ever won an election. He's at 37. He's got 61 percent unfavorable (laughs) in that same poll. Nikki Haley beats him by 17 points. So then that's when, again, Democrats are like, that's inc- I don't like that. That's making me uncomfortable. It's hurting Bingo. my feelings. Uncomfortable, therefore, I'm blocking therefore, it out. I'm going to di- up. Yeah. Yeah, therefore, I'm going to ignore that. Guys, but, and then, so they'll have the instinctual reaction of, well, Nikki Haley's not going to be the candidate for the Republicans. Okay, but wait a minute. <laughs> Our candidate is so incredibly weak, historically weak, yeah. That if they all they did was put up a non-monster, the Republicans would win because at a 17-point advantage, the last time that happened was Reagan-Mondale. Reagan won 49 states. And they at kept this saying, point, oh, an actor, he'll never become president. And it's just yeah. like, well. Uh... <laughs> if it's not Trump, Biden is set to lose 49 states. That is unbelievable. That is un- That is a historically weak candidate. And yet the Democrats go, no. This is the most important election of our lifetimes, and let's go with the weakest candidate the Democrats have ever had in our lifetime. They want that to repeat no Hillary. Oh, by the way, and in another a... poll, he's losing by eight to Trump. Eight! And eight. he has to win by five in order to win the Electoral College. Uh-huh. That's not negotiable. You have yeah. The Democratic candidate must win by five. Uh, so that's he's trailing Trump by 13 and Nikki Haley by 22. It is political malpractice to go with joe biden so my website's jankforamerica.com america yep yep but it but i also bought the url uh biden is going to lose.com because i and and i'm sorry brothers and sisters if it hurts your feelings but he's definitely definitely going to lose we need another candidate immediately and they say oh well would you do better bro first of all yes i would definitely you already have an established audience you know trump already had an audience but plus the crazies who came out who wanted to see him mess with the GOP. And so, like you say, you have an audience. You had all this math backed up. And I don't even know, people even forget the fact that Biden, back in like the first Herbert Walker Bush and Dukakis uh, uh, debate, uh, he had to drop out because he was accused of stealing a UK uh, minister's speech. And yet, again, no one wants to talk about anyone's past. Uh, same kind of deal that you had with Hillary. People were like, oh, well, I kind of trust her. I kind of don't. It's like, well, it's there's yes and there's everything else. Do you or do you not trust this candidate? So, look, here's another uh, misnomer. Joe Biden is an amazing candidate, and he's the only one who could beat Trump. Wait, wait, wait. wait. When he beat Trump, he was 15 points higher than he is today. Yeah. So... Who wants to start a race 
15 yards behind the other guy. Who wants to start a football yeah. game 15 points behind the other guy or behind where you were? That that's not it's not the same guy, it's not the same race, it's not the same time. He's 15 points lower. It's a near guaranteed loss. And last time he barely won with just 44,000 barely in yeah. three swing states. We got and lucky. So, yeah, and and if you look at the history of Joe Biden to your point Cam, he he's a his like he's always been a terrible candidate. He was in the Senate for all that time because he had massive name recognition, massive donors, and the Republicans barely ran against him because it's such a deep blue state in Delaware. So when you yeah. go to the presidential elections, he got humiliated in every run he ever had, never got above fourth. The only reason he won last time is because the entire establishment all bowed down and said, it must be Biden. So Bernie wasn't running against Biden. Bernie was running against Obama, Biden, Klobuchar, Buttigieg, and Kamala Harris, and all of them combined. And with all of that strength, he barely squeaked out a victory against Bernie Sanders and barely squeaked out a victory against Donald Trump. And that was at his height when he was at 52. Now he's at 37. Yeah. Do the math. It would be like having all these football players who've all broken their hips, but, oh, name recognition. Let's get them back on the field. It's like, well, they can't play. Oh, get them back on the field anyway. <laughs> we don't yeah, have a... That's a great way of putting it. It's like saying, oh, well, Bo Jackson was the only one that could beat the Chiefs, <laughs> you know? But, yeah, that was before he broke his hip, brother. He's going to have a lot of trouble winning now. Right. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go back to... Let's put this back on you. Uh, aside from your run, aside from your charisma and backchecking, growing up in Pennsylvania, how has that kind of echoed to you in terms of just how all these states have changed so much, you know, in these four decades, you know, since the 70s, since the 80s, and especially the 90s. It's just, and then seeing today how a lot of those powerful voices are nowhere near as present as they are now where everything is ruled by you know social media and powerful news stations and radio yeah. and does it kind of blow your mind how you're just like but that used to be a thing these kind of voices these kind of politics and now people are still just talking only about the heated ones that no one's going to agree on like abortion and guns yeah well, so there's a lot uh, in there. So, uh, so first, I went to school in Pennsylvania, but I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey, uh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it just had Jersey Mike's for lunch. Uh, it's in <laughs> Okay. Um, so, uh, in, in terms of how things have changed, they've changed uh, so much. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the, con the country is deeply progressive, which I can show in every poll, right? So... Uh, you know, paid family leave polls at 84%, uh, public option polls at around 70%, uh, you know, higher wages polls at 65% higher minimum wage specifically, uh, ending gerrymandering and corruption polls at 90%, well, you know, lower drug prices, 90%. These are all progressive positions that uh -huh. are incredibly popular. I can list like two dozen that all poll above two thirds. But as the country has gone to the left, Washington has gone to the right. And so now before, like Ronald Reagan did amnesty, like actual literal amnesty for, for undocumented, over 10 million undocumented immigrants. Okay. So now if Barack Obama had done that, he would have never been able to be nominated for the Democratic Party, let alone the Republican Party. So oh, wow. it's, they got the yeah, same Ronald Reagan's on 
this now and it doesn't make any sense it's like <laughs> yeah ronald reagan made a deal with hezbollah uh to and he uh, after our marines were attacked in lebanon he withdrew the forces he mm-hmm. made a deal with the so-called evil empire i mean there's so many things that he did that right now republicans would consider to be commie liberal this that the other thing that they so the right the republican party has become drastically right wing especially 911 un- that made them cha- totally change their tune oh i must fire at any brown person like uh no we have rights we don't shoot people in the face just cuz they look different than us and yet you still get a lot of this fear mongering mixed in with racial violence initiative nowadays and it's just like do you hear yourself <laughs> yeah and so back in the day they they the republican party had plenty of racism they started with the southern strategy in the beginning they yeah. were not the racist party um and there was the dixiecrats that the democrats had mm-hmm. etc but the republicans with the southern strategy flipped and tried to get racist voters in the south but in the beginning they were more subtle so although you know reagan would do a speech in philadelphia mississippi and if you didn't know the history of philadelphia mississippi you missed it entirely but that's where civil rights workers were murdered and he gave a speech about states rights and that's how he launched his 1980 presidential campaign so they were they had that vicious strain of racism back then and he would wink and nod at it uh, and there's no other reason to start your campaign in a tiny little philadelphia mississippi right other than to say states' rights where civil rights workers were murdered. Now, having said that, they at least had the decency to hide their racism in the closet. Now, Donald Trump has given permission, and and now you'll see all over the internet, oh, yeah, of course, if we feel threatened, Mm -hmm. we should shoot them. We stand our ground. If they don't have a gun and I have a gun, I have the right to shoot them. And, and, And brown people are this way, black people are this way, Muslims are that way, Jews are that way. And it's nonstop racial attacks, personal attacks, gender attacks, every kind of attacks. And the problem came, and this is the the largest problem that that we have in this country, which is that the Republicans do that at 200%. And the Democrats barely fight back. No, you've got to be aggressive. Politics is all about marketing and media, whether you like it or you don't, whether it bothers you that, you know, in your, you were taught by a genteel professor and the melodic hymns of, uh, of NPR that you're supposed to be civil and gentlemen and put on white gloves. No, we're getting brutalized that way. You need a fighter like me to fight back against the Republicans and to fight for our voters and fight for our citizens and fight for the country. Jenkforamerica.com. <laughs> There we go. And like you say, if you just let the bully have your lunch, then you might as well just surrender completely. It doesn't make sense to just be quietly in the corner, just letting people peck at you. You know, it's just, I don't get it. Yeah. Look, uh, Cam, when I grew up, growing up in Jersey, we got into plenty of fights. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was different times back then. Too. It was the 80s. And uh, mm. my son the other day said, Dad, your uh, life story is like a 80s movie. Um, and there was heroes <laughs> and villains and bullies and all. And the one thing though uh, that that I learned back then, and you you just hit on a cam right there. When when there's a bully, I know people say this, but then the Democrats never do it. They never but follow you have up. Have to at some point stand up to the bully yes. because the bully is a bully because he's weak and insecure. What and once you realize that, and once I realized that as a kid. Anytime the bullies tried to do something, I I, I was a big, strong kid. Anyway, I was a middle linebacker, and I was like, I'll be your huckleberry. Okay, you want to roll? 
and I remember so the one time this, uh, you know, kid who's kind of smaller and frail is getting picked up, uh, picked on on the bus. And I, and I stepped up and I was like, look, I, I like fighting. Uh, so I'm I'm happy to, 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 you know, now that I think about it, it's actually a little bit of a Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones moment where I basically asked the kid, uh, <laughs> will you let me be your champion? Oh, wow. like, yes, yes, okay. And so, and, okay. and look, it's it's not that heroic because I, you know, I was a big kid, and so I wasn't worried about it. And but what it, what that does is that it sets the it sends the message to the whole bus. Do you think you, you know, were also the, just the proper kind of confidence back then without realizing it? Yeah, I mean that's a, a really interesting point too, Cam. Because like you said, you had your appearance, but it was also deep down you're like. I got this. Yeah. You're not going to threaten me. Yeah. There's, there's two things there. One is that on some things I was very confident and that helped tremendously. And I'm so, I'm so lucky that in a sense that I was born that way, but in other things, I was not at all confident. Like if you asked me (laughs) to go talk to a pretty girl, I'd be like, no, 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 no. (laughs) All of a sudden the bully fighter, not so tough when it comes to that. Okay. So it depended on the topic matter, but the other thing is sometimes you need a guy like me because I didn't mind getting punched. I mean, so most people, they're not fans of it. Right. But right. I would, I would always let the other kid take the first punch uh, because they get I, I kicked out and you get yeah. to stay. <laughs> the minute you tell someone, no, go ahead, brother, you take the first punch. You've already won because that scares the bejesus out of them. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I can do my crime in plain sight and be called on it. Oh, I don't like that. And so it is funny how we use these little small things. We most people think is you just scare the other bully, but they're already predicting that. So like you say, just play chicken with them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like so many Democrats are worried. Oh, what is Trump going to say about me? Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're going to sick their sickos on them. What won't they say about us? That isn't awful. Yeah, and I'm a progressive outsider, born Muslim, naturalized citizen, it, it not part of mainstream media, not part of your the father Jogan has a wonderful book. Committee. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's... So like I'm, they're already coming after me for two hundred things. Just mm-hmm. add it to the list. Who cares? I'm used to being the outsider. I'm used to being the other, and I'm used to fighting back. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had a Democratic candidate? who didn't not just mine, but who relished fighting Republicans, jankforamerica.com. <laughs> I love this. And uh, again, your father, who, again, has a wonderful bo- book, The Original Young Turk, here it is right here. Um, it just has also kind of shown you how to be an underdog and how you can make something out of nothing. And the, there is, you know, kindness is everything and getting out to win it. And I think this is what makes you a powerful candidate in that you can relate to all forms of life. You can relate to all kinds of upbringings. And post 9-11, your show just kept me just so in check, realizing, okay, there are people who are on YouTube and internet sites. Uh, The fact that you've been doing this since 2002 is just mind-blowing because it's like, but you want to actually put in perspective, do more than just like a factcheck.org type thing. You also want to back everything up. and initiated as a narrative instead of having it be a rant and 
if there was anything to recommend to people who are starting up their own like political talk show, what are a few things that they need to have in hindsight? Yeah. So great question. And you brought up a lot of things there that I want to address real quick. So we've been doing this for 21 years. We're the oldest uh, internet show in history, longest running show in history online. Uh, we're the first YouTube partner ever. So we're the, the first YouTubers. Uh, the kids get excited about that. Uh, and uh, and you're right. My dad was an incredible role model. So even if I ever become president of the United States, I will not be able to ever surpass what he has accomplished because he started with absolutely nothing. They had no electricity uh, in the house that he grew up in. He was so poor. And he went from that kind of incredibly poor farmer in southeastern Turkey to living the American dream and giving me all of this opportunity. I'd have nothing without my dad. And, and then another great thing about my dad is that he always led me to believe that, that I was capable of anything. And that's where the confidence comes from. When your parents believe you can accomplish anything in the world, that seeps into you. It makes all the difference. So I can't thank my parents enough. They were both wonderful. And I'm super lucky and blessed in that regard. Absolutely. Now, in terms of, uh, okay, yes, but how do you take all that? And and if you're a person who's starting out now, how do you do an online show or, or do get your voice out there in any way? Okay, so first off, as you mentioned, Cam, you've got to stick to the facts. Do not let your, what you think your ideology is, color your the audience facts. wants to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because then, then you lose the trust of your audience. Don't do that. So stick with the facts, uh, even if at times they're inconvenient or don't prove your case. Uh, shape your ideology around the facts, not don't shape facts around your ideology. Okay, so that's point one. Point two is um, put yourself out there. It's uh, be passionate, be but most importantly, be authentic, and and give them what you got. And so, uh, and a lot of people will tell you don't. Uh, they will tell you to go to the standard route. And, and maybe some of the standard route might work for some of you. And, and bless your heart, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you have a passion for doing something in the way that you want, go ahead and do it. And and look, guys, you got to live the life that you were meant to live, not someone else. So yep. even if it turns out you do something and you do it with passion and authenticity and it doesn't work, don't think that I haven't gone through that. I've gone through that many, many times. Yeah. You do that over and over again until you find the right groove that makes sense for you. You've got to be comfortable with who you are and what you're presenting to the world. Bingo. And this is why I have trust in you. You talked numerous times about income inequality, you know, candidate contributions and climate change mitigation. It's just stuff that people, again, like you say, it makes them uncomfortable, but it's like, well, how do you expect there to be change? If you just let it continue. Yep, that's exactly right. And look, the whole point of the campaign here in conclusion is get caught trying. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, people say, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. But hey, guys, they told me I couldn't start my own show and have it work out of my living room with no money, no connections. With no dial up nothing. Internet back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 if I had told them, oh, I'm going to I'm going to set up a, a organization, a media network that's going to get five billion views a year, they would have tried to lock me up in an insane asylum. If I told them back then, I'm not going to work for Dan Rather, Dan Rather is going to work for me. 
they would have said, oh, you're the craziest person I've ever met, right? If I said to them, hey, I'm going to start a wing of the Democratic Party, and it's going to have the loudest, most aggressive uh, Democrats uh, called AOC, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib, Jamal Bowman, Cory Bush, et cetera, the Just Democrats, I co-founded that. If I had said, I'm going to start a wing of the Democratic Party, they would have said, look, guys, put them in a straitjacket. There's no way any of that is going to happen. Yet all of it did happen. So the central yeah. lie isn't that you can't get things done. It's it, or that or that you shouldn't try to get things done. It's that you have to believe in yourself, guys. The central lie is that don't try. You can't ever do it. It's not true. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're going to have every dream. It doesn't mean that you can't it, that you you can do it without hard work. You got to put a lot of work into it. Okay. Absolutely. And th those are two disparaging ideas. People think, oh, if you try too much, you'll lose it all, and then, like you say. People do the whole, oh, but it's a gamble. I'm like, it is a gamble. And it's going to be a lot of no fun that first year. And then hopefully you have found your voice, your formula, your crew. I mean, no one expected YouTube to take off. No one expected TikTok to take off. No one expected all these other news media outlets that were alternatives to CNN and Fox News to even come out. So like you say, sky's the limit, but even the sky doesn't have to be the limit. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I like that attitude. Uh, but I, I, we, we had Frank Kana from Mystery Science Theater on, and he talked about how he loved contributing to you guys back in the day. And who would have thought you'd have other great comedians like Maz Jabrani on there uh, overseeing the various conventions and giving their two cents. Uh, before you go, uh, does the Young Turks have any other planned appearances, uh, city hall meetings, or other live events and with celebrities they'd like to promote? So these days, I'm mainly talking about the presidential campaign. If you, of course, if you check out TYT, the Young Turks uh, online, that's amazing. We appreciate you. Uh, you. You know, my book is Justice is Coming. Great, wonderful. It gives the people a sense of where I'm coming from and how I think about the world and my policies, et cetera. But the main thing I'm asking people to check out is jenkforamerica.com. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Biden is going to lose.com is correct. And that also gets to our website. Uh, to our URL, it's easier to remember, and and I say unfortunately because <laughs> I I wish it wasn't the case. I wish the Democrats had a incredibly strong candidate who was easily going to be Trump, and then I wouldn't have to do any of this, and I could just support that person and back them in an easy victory. Wouldn't that be amazing? Instead right. of rooting for a guy who's now down what thirty seven to sixty one, he's twenty four points underwater. Jesus Bingo. Christ. So come help me at jankforamerica.com, whether it's donations, volunteers. Oh, and to your point, events. Check out events. I was just in Arizona. If you were in Phoenix or uh, Tempe, Great. et cetera, could have seen you. I was in uh, New Hampshire before, South Carolina before. So check out events, and, and I'd love to see you guys out there. Wonderful. If there's anyone we actually trust, what comes out of his mouth is Jane Guger. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate you. You got this. Absolutely got this. Thank you for your time. Keep kicking ass. Thank you so much, Kim. You're the best. We'll return after these messages. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast recs and booty debates, 
Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jam.